0: The Sunday Review with Tim Graham.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Sunday Review. Katie Pickles from Well Pharmacy tells us how vaccine fatigue could see a significant increase in COVID and flu infections this winter. Lorraine LeCourtois from Wakehurst will be telling us all about this year's spellbinding winter lantern trail, Glow Wild. And Stephen Caroline Metcalf are here with news of two Christmas music concerts at Sackville College and the town's unique link to a famous Christmas carol. Plus, Samantha Day finds out about sing-and-sign classes for babies and toddlers in East Grinstead, Carrie Overton talks to local health coach Ashley Salter, and Paul Tolmy learns more about the Archway Theatre Company in Hawley who are celebrating their 70th birthday this year. All in the latest edition of the Sunday Review. After a successful Covid-19 vaccine rollout, it appears that some people are now showing signs of vaccine fatigue. The research from Well Pharmacy comes as NHS England's own figures show that just over half of those entitled to a Covid booster jab this autumn have had one so far. To tell us more about this worrying trend, I'm joined by Katie Pickles from Well Pharmacy. Katie, welcome to the show. How much of a problem is vaccine fatigue?
2: Hi Tim, thanks for having me. Um, yeah so we've just delve into the figures that we've got from the research um it's showing that a quarter of people um felt like, like vaccine fatigue had set in and they thought that them themselves and others had just lost the motivation to get jabbed so what
1: sort of reasons are people giving for not having a jab
2: um so so most people are saying that they're just fed up about hearing about jabs um the bo- bored about hearing the- about them um and 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 then we looked at a number of reasons for the reasons why they wouldn't get a flu jab. Um, And some people were saying that um, they, they felt like they were attending too many appointments and also they're perhaps concerned about any side effects that they might get.
1: As you've mentioned, it's not just the COVID booster, but also the free flu jab that's now available. Remind us who's eligible for those.
2: Um, So for both vaccines now, the COVID booster and the flu jab, um, adults aged over 50 are eligible, um, pregnant women, um, people who um, have a long term medical condition. So that includes people who have diabetes, heart or lung disease. Um, people who have a weakened immune system, so anyone who's um, undergoing chemotherapy or taking HIV treatment, and also the people that live with people um, taking um, undergoing chemotherapy or HIV treatment. There's also another um, big group of people who are likely to be exposed to flu. So that includes people who are healthcare workers, such as the NHS, but also um, people who care for vulnerable people. Um, so if you are looking after an elderly relative who might be at risk of, catching, of having a complication of flu if you were to catch it, then it's worth um, speaking to your pharmacy team to see if you're eligible for a flu jab.
1: Now, if you're not eligible for the free flu jab, how worried should you be? Should you be paying to get a vaccination?
2: um it, it's difficult to say so so even in healthy adults we see people um, having complications from catching the flu virus and um, those can in, in in some cases can lead to hospitalization um, and other respiratory illness such as pneumonia so, so there is a risk that um, even if you are a healthy adult you could have complications from flu um, and, and also you can also pass fl- flu on to people um, who you love um, people who you work with and also your local community so even if you're not eligible for an NHS flu vaccination it is definitely worth considering getting a private flu, flu jab. Here at Well Pharmacy we offer our private flu jabs for £15 um, but there is a wide range of community pharmacies offering both the NHS and private flu services.
1: And if we don't see an increased uptake in vaccinations what could the effect be this winter?
2: Um, Well, we're expecting to have um, some high levels of socialisation this year, perhaps going back to to pre-COVID pandemic, where everybody's going to be going to the Christmas parties, the Christmas markets, and then seeing the family and friends over Christmas as well. So if, we, if people don't get vaccinated this year, um, we are expecting flu to be a significant problem. Um, so if people aren't getting vaccinated early enough, then that could lead to complications and hospitalisations and also um, put a, a larger burden on the NHS than, than need be if people simply got vaccinated.
1: So how can people get a jab, either free one through the NHS or if they want to pay for one privately?
2: Yeah, so if, if you're looking to book your COVID vaccination, you should vi- visit the NHS website and make an appointment through the national booking system. Um, you can type in your postcode there and it brings up your nearest pharmacy. Um, here at our well pharmacies, we are also offering flu vaccinations at the same time as the COVID vaccine. So you can have one vaccine in each arm, which means it's um, nice and speedy for you and you don't need an extra appointment. Um, At the majority of our well pharmacies and other community pharmacies as well, you can walk in and get a free free NHS flu jab if you're eligible. So just pop in and see if they're able to do that or arrange an appointment for you. Or if you wanted to book an appointment at our well pharmacy, if you visit well.co.uk forward slash flu. That has the details of our NHS service and our private service at £15 as well.
1: Fantastic. Katie, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me, Tim.
1: To find out if you're eligible for a free COVID or flu vaccination this winter, visit nhs.uk and click on NHS Services. That's nhs.uk and click on NHS Services. For a private flu vaccination, talk to your local pharmacist or visit well.co.uk forward slash flu. That's well.co.uk forward slash flu. We'll post all the details on Twitter at sundayreview 107 and on facebook.com forward slash sunday review 107 this week saw the launch of glow wild an enchanting winter lantern trail which meanders through the ancient and beautiful landscapes at wakehurst Now, in its ninth year, I spoke to Lorraine Le Courtois, head of public programmes at the Wild Botanic Gardens, to find out what's in store for visitors this year.
3: When we were planning this about a year ago, we were all feeling a little bit under the weather. 2020 and 21 were not kind to any of us, and see, we wanted something really joyful. So we looked to nature, we do that a lot here at Wakehurst, and we were thinking about the colours in nature, and we came up with this concept of spectrum. So the idea is you can walk the rainbow through the eyes of nature thinking about why plants make colour, what insects pollinate what plants, um, where um, you can see iridescence and bioluminescence and things like that in water. So yeah, hopefully it's a really immersive walk on the wild side.
1: Now you said um, you've been planning this for a while. How long does it take to put something like this together?
3: Planning starts about a year and a half in advance so we've started planning for next year already but the the nitty-gritty the making starts in about February March time so all of the lanterns on the trail are handmade um, either by our wonderful team of artists the local community groups that we work with or the brilliant artists that we work with and we work with about nine different artistic partnerships to to pull the whole trail together.
1: Some of the uh, installations are amazing how do you find these people?
3: There is a wealth of creativity out there. Um, We've been working on on lantern trails for a long time. We have our our network, but actually we always go out to the the wider artistic community and say who would like to work with us and and put our ideas out there and and see who wants to come in and get involved. And that's why we've got a couple of new artists in this year. Uh, So Kerith Ogden has made our lovely slugs that you might have seen out there and our dung beetle. Um, So our slugs are called Leslie and Leslie. Uh, And we also have OGE Group, who are um, an Israeli-based artist group that we've been working with for a couple of years now. But we saw a piece of theirs at the Amsterdam Light Festival and thought, we want to work with that group. And now they make bespoke pieces for us. And they've made this fantastic symphony of light that happens on Mansion Pond, which is just beautiful.
1: And it's not just physical artistry you've got soundscapes created for the event
3: yeah so um chris uh, from ithaca is our sound designer um and again we've been working with him for a long time now and he really gets wakehurst he understands the landscape and he pulls his love of wakehurst uh, into our lantern trail um so the soundscapes are just beautiful and very very serene um and also we have smells this year so and now who are our fire artists have also created this beautiful tunnel of lichen uh, it's very green and It's quite cosy, but it's got this really dank smell. It feels like you're in a cavern, and it's just lovely. Really uh, exciting experience.
1: And let's talk a bit about the the lanterns themselves. These uh, paper lanterns, all handmade, I believe.
3: Everything's handmade, everything is willow, paper and PVA glue, Um, so it's all very ephemeral, it's all very uh, sustainable, um, and you wouldn't think that it would last twelve six weeks in the wet and the rain of the British winter, but it does, Um, and yeah, there's a lot of repairs that happen and a huge team that go behind it to make it all happen over the six weeks of the run.
1: And you've also got the UK's tallest living Christmas tree. Uh, where people can make a wish.
3: Yes we do. So the Christmas tree is 27 metres high and it's got 1800 lights on it. It takes us about two days to get all of those lights up there um, and this year we're asking people to make a wish for nature and tie it to the tree um, and all of those wishes will be going to COP in Montreal um, to form part of a display uh, at the uh, Conference of Parties in Montreal to talk about the kind of dual crisis of climate crisis and biodiversity crisis and what we can be doing to, to mitigate those those changes in nature.
1: Now, you're not probably meant to have a favourite, but is there a particular part of the trail that's special to you or means something?
3: Oh, it's really hard. It's like choosing your children. Um, I think probably our projections, which are down Westwood Valley, um, because this is... I think it's because it's been really hard to get us to this point because we chose to do something so new and exciting. So trying to tell a story with projections down a whole valley is... Yeah, the the designers laughed at me and said they couldn't do it. Um, And yet we have beetles and spiders and ladybirds and kind of celebrate the diversity of life down there and I just think it's glorious.
1: How long does it take you to walk around the trail?
3: I think it takes about 45 minutes Um, it depends how much you're having a chat with your mates and how much you're enjoying the trail you know it's a lovely experience to do with your family to bring small children and grandparents to Um, yeah about 45 minutes and then of course there's marshmallows and hot chocolate and mulled wine at the end to get you in the Christmas spirit.
1: (laughs) fantastic can you buy that on the trail as well or is that just at the beginning and the end
3: Ah, well spotted no for the first time we actually have catering on the trail itself so this is in response to visitor feedback from the last couple of years that you know you want a hot chocolate and a mulled wine and a coffee so we need to make sure that we can cater for you in all your needs so yeah you can get uh, you can get food and drink on the trail whilst being entertained by some dancing peacocks
1: I did see the dancing peacocks. They were amazing as well. Now, how much is it to get in and, and how do people book for this experience?
3: Um, so you can use your favourite search engine to find Wakehurst and book via our website. Um, and tickets are £14 for adults, £11 for children and a family ticket is about £50.
1: For people who maybe are in wheelchairs or have push chairs or other additional needs, are you running any special events for them or along the trail?
3: Yeah so actually every single day our first two sessions are what we call quiet sessions so we have a a lower number of people in those sessions and actually some of the flashier elements of the trail we just tone down a little bit uh, for those um, areas. The trail is fully accessible Um, I've done it in a mobility scooter myself this evening Um, it's uh, very easy there's a few hills so you know be aware of that Um, and of course if we have a wet winter you might want some, some wellies on.
1: Fantastic Lorraine thank you so much.
3: Thank you very much.
1: Glow Wild is a spectacular experience and the artwork, sounds and smells are stunning. It runs until the 1st of January. For more information and tickets, visit qorg forward slash wakehurst. That's kew.org forward slash wakehurst. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. Sackville College in East Grinstead is playing host to two Christmas music concerts this December. To tell us more, I'm joined by Steve and Caroline Metcalf from the college. Welcome to the show, both of you. Now, before we talk about the concerts, I'd always assumed that the college was linked to the school in some way, but I gather that's not the case, is it?
4: No, I mean it probably is in the sense that the land was probably owned by the Sackville family, but that's it. Sackville College Arms House is at the end of the High Street, and it's the old stone building right at the end of the House High Street. Is- going towards Forest Row, it was founded in 1609 by the second Earl of Dorset, who was called Robert Sackville. And it was an almshouse, it was to be an almshouse um, for poor people, 31 rooms for poor people and a little bit of money, a charity house. Um, And they would get one room and one bucket of well water a day and they had to live by very strict rules and they had to attend a service in the chapel in the morning and in the evening. Cutting a very long story short, it is still an almshouse. Instead of one room, the people there have a very nice flat now and there are about 15 flats there and it's affordable accommodation for older people from the town of, of limited means. Um, they pay a little bit of rent So that's roughly what Sackville College is. It's still an almshouse. It's still serving its original purpose. But because it's survived 400 years and more, it's also a great historical attraction in the town and uh, a lovely piece of the town's history.
5: And being an old building, it it requires a lot of maintenance and general upkeep.
1: So how do you both fit into the story?
5: Uh, We are... um, members of the Friends group at Sackville College and we, in fact, are the secretaries. So if anyone wants to join the Friends, uh, we are uh, the contact um, for the membership. Um, Caroline is also uh, one of the guides and an honorary historian at Sackville College.
4: I should say we're all all volunteers. Um, The only paid positions there are a lady in the office called the Armina and the maintenance man who lives on the site with his family. Everyone else is a volunteer. So it runs, Sackville College runs on very little money, um, which is part of the reason for putting on a concert to to raise some money.
1: And what sort of activities do the Friends get involved with?
5: Um, We we help with a number of the public events during the year. So in a typical year, we'll uh, open during the May Day Um, festival in the town, Um, the the Lions May Day event um, for for visitors to come in in and have a look around Um, and friends and the guides will uh, show people around the college uh, for a small donation Um, and during the the summer months from June to uh, September or middle of June to middle of September uh, the college is open for visitors by pre-booked uh, tours and the guides uh, will take them round and the friends uh, will, will will occasionally help with that as well. Um, the friends also have uh, some events through the year uh, in the summer months we, we try to have a, a garden party of some description um, and at Christmas time there, there's a there's a separate uh, carol service for all the friends. Uh, membership um, uh, entitles uh, friends to, to visit the college during the year as, as, as well, uh, without charge.
1: And speaking of Christmas, I gather you've got quite a unique link to a very famous carol.
4: That's it, yes. Um, good King Wenceslas. The warden in the early Victorian period really, 1846 to 66, so warden there for 20 years, and his name was John Mason Neal. He was a clergyman, he had a weak chest and he decided that parish work wouldn't suit him. So he took the chance to become the warden of the almshouse and arrived there aged 28 with his wife and two small children and they lived there, they went on to have three more daughters. Um, And John mason Neal was a great hymnologist. He wrote a great many hymns and carols. We make a lot of good King Wenceslas because most people have heard of it. Um, But he he wrote that. He he wrote many others as well. He translated some from ancient hymns um, and he wrote some new ones. Wenceslas, um, he based... The story on the story of the real Wenceslas, who was a Christian ruler of Bohemia in the ninth century, who really was kind to the poor. And um, he and some friends got together and wrote the sort of poem, the hymn, and fitted it to some music from a 16th century book. That book was called P.A. Cantiones, which means Sacred Songs. Um, and originally it had been a spring carol, which goes something like spring has now unwrapped the flowers. It came from Scandinavia. It was brought back by uh, the Queen Victoria's envoy and John Mason Neill fitted the words to this 16th century music. And it was first published in 1853.
1: Fantastic. I didn't realise there was such a local connection. So tell us about the two concerts you've got coming up and what people can expect.
4: The one on the Monday is perhaps more traditional. It's um, some traditional hymns and carols sung and a very, very brief telling of the Christmas story. But obviously we sing Good King Wenceslas and we'll explain a little bit about that just before we sing it, about the, the history of the hymn, how it came to be written. There's a lovely feel to that, to, to sing an ancient hymn that was composed in the study next door to that chapel. Um, you think of all the people who've sung it before you and John Mason Neal and his family there. It's, it's just a lovely connection with something that happened in Victorian times there in, in a really old building. So a lovely sort of link back to the past. Um, and at the end of that concert, people go across to the common room and have hot drinks and mince pies and so on. The one on the Tuesday is similar, but it's by a group of people called Cantu Amiki, Singing Friends, and some of it they perform, and then there are probably about six carols that um, everyone joins in, and of course we have Good King Wenceslas again, Um, and then the same, everyone goes across to the common room for hot drinks and mince pies
5: afterwards.
1: So how much are tickets and how can people get hold of them?
5: Right. Well, the tickets are on sale through the college office um, and the college office um, can be contacted either via the website uh, which is all one word, .org.uk, uh, and the telephone number and email details are on the website there. Um, and the tickets are £10 a head. For both concerts. Um, currently we've got a waiting list for both concerts, um, so uh, if anybody is interested they, they, they can contact the office and will be put on the waiting list. There is a possibility that on the Wednesday we will have another concert uh, similar to the Monday concert, but there's no uh, final decision made on that as, as yet, it, it's dependent on a, on a few factors.
1: And are the proceeds from the concerts to help you with the upkeep of the college?
4: A grade one listed building um, is a constant, constant expenses. You can't just get any old craftsmen in to do repairs. They have to be specially qualified. It all has to be inspected by conservation officers and that sort of thing. So everything that happens in a grade one listed building has to be done very carefully. I think the roof is a constant worry, isn't it? The roof often has to be repaired. The, the
5: roof's are, are always a problem um, and also things like the, the services. Um, electricity, um, that has to be constantly upgraded to, to, to meet uh, current legislation um, and there's a big project on at the moment um, for, for, for that to be done um, and of course this is all very extensive work.
1: Now, aside from the concerts you've mentioned, there's a number of activities and events that you run during the year. Have you got anything coming up in the near future?
4: No, it will probably close to the public for the winter. Um, and then, really, the next big thing is May Day, the first May Bank holiday, when usually Sackville College is open to the public and open at a slightly reduced rate. You don't get the full guided tour, but there are room stewards in the four rooms and you get enough information to get a good idea of what Sackville College is about. And teas and coffees and cake are on sale as well. Um, and last year on May Day, it was the first time it, the college had been open to the public for a very long time because of COVID. And I think we had a record number of visitors And a lot of people said it's just so lovely to see those doors open and to find out what goes on behind them.
1: That's great. Caroline, Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. All the best for your upcoming concerts.
4: Well, thank you very much. much.
1: For more information on the concerts, visit sackvillecollege.org.uk forward slash events. That's sackvillecollege.org.uk forward slash events. You can also contact the College Office on weekday mornings between 10am and noon on 01342 323414. That's 01342 323 414. We'll post all the details on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. As part of her Open for Business show this week, Samantha Day found out about sing and sign classes for toddlers and babies in the East Grinstead area from business owner Roxy Cole.
6: got two classes running at the moment uh, with about eight
7: in each. And what made you want to do this?
6: I just really wanted to um, share what I had with my children. Just the, the sign language is so helpful, especially in those months where they can't talk, but they want, they've got so much to say. One year to two year, particularly, um, but also beforehand. It's amazing what they'll communicate to you using their hands um, that they just wouldn't be able to say to you.
7: Did you do signing when you were a child?
6: No, I was never exposed to it as a child. No, I, it's something I learned as an adult.
7: Oh, really? Yeah, it's unusual though. Surely there's not a lot of people that are that running these sort of classes.
6: No, I mean, so we we don't learn the full british sign language we're kind of slightly more narrow in that in that we're looking for signs for really help really communicate and so thinking about what's important to them
7: yeah <laughs> i think what a great idea to get them into that you know there's more this is happening more and more isn't it
6: absolutely you know- yes yeah. so there are i think over 300 tra- franchises across england of the sing and sign franchise Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are other sort of uh, uh, baby signing classes as well,
7: yeah. So what age do you take them on? From zero, from zero. So master started at about eight weeks old. So you get them singing as well?
6: Absolutely, yeah. Because obviously obviously signing is for deaf children, um, but for hearing children, we really want to say the word as we sign it. Is so important that because we're trying to engage communication we're not trying to get them to only use their hands we're trying to get them to use their hands to help them so we um, we say the word as we sign it and we um, go from there really that's our, our main golden rule
7: so it's about helping babies and toddlers to um, communicate before they actually yeah. get into fully speaking
6: exactly exactly and then when they are speaking it can help them when they are frustrated and they can't get the words out, they can sign it. Or even just simple things like I can sign to my six year old, it's home across the park. And she knows, okay, well, mummy means mummy means it's home time.
7: <laughs> <laughs> oh, how lovely. Now what do you cover in the classes? Oh, good question.
6: Um so for um the baby class we do kind of lots of eye contact and it's all about that building that mummy bond. It's such a nice space just to kind of have that time um, and you're covering the basic signs like milk and more and all gone little things that are what their world are really at the moment at that time um, and then a few nursery rhymes as well um, and then we go into um, our second stage which is more for our like crawling babies and sitting babies um, and in that one we do lots of fun interactive things we've got some music we've got uh, we've got a lovely cat who plays peekaboo she's called jessica <laughs> our emblem um she's there and um the kids just absolutely love this cat <laughs> oh,
7: i'm <laughs> um, sure they do <laughs> she's yeah. not she's not distracting them
6: no no she's um she's helping them learn and that idea of that kind of age range is called object permanence the idea that something's there even though it's covered up um that's a really crucial thing for them to learn and we help them do that mm. um with much more besides yeah you sort of start building up and we do a new theme each week, weather and ouch and sort of talking about where you're hurt um and all sorts of things and then stage two we move on to things like or needing the potty or colors and those sort of trickier concepts
7: ah excellent so uh, where does the singing come in does that help with the signing singing a helps the
6: mummies and b helps remember sort of what signs are what. But it's also just, it does help communication. That's why babies are often sung to by their mummies and daddies because that kind of tune, that high-pitched tune, is um, what they're kind of tuned into. And obviously it gets their smiles and laughter, and we love that. So, yeah.
7: Do mums and dads stay with their babies? Absolutely,
6: yes. So it's very much a parent and baby class, and we want it's all about getting mummies and daddies interact and grannies. whoever whoever wants to come along, who is their new carer, who, yeah, really sort of bond with baby and enjoy that time together.
7: That's lovely, isn't it? It must be really nice because you're teaching the adults as well. Exactly, yes.
6: Obviously, yeah, the the main thing is that the adults go home and do it because they're not going to learn it in, the children aren't going to learn it in an hour session, but we're basically equipping the mummies and daddies so that they can, when they're in the high chair and they finish their meal, they can say, are you all done? Are you all done? (laughs) <laughs> and do that sign for all done and then they'll sign it back eventually and oh yeah i am finished i am i have had enough um,
7: <laughs> so, well if they use this it must help them with frustrations
6: exactly enormously um i had an example in class the other day where um one of the mums had uh, their daughter having a massive tantrum about the fact that it turned out they wanted the pink cup instead of the yellow one that they've been given. And they kept signing pink, pink, pink. And they worked out, ah, you want the pink cup. (laughs) So, little things like that.
7: (laughs) Oh, it's it's wonderful being able to learn and move forward and really get ready for their speech.
6: Absolutely, exactly.
7: Do some (laughs) of them like to do the signing rather than speaking?
6: Sometimes. Sometimes there are children who kind of are so comfortable with signing that they kind of, they take a little bit longer with the communication, but we find that when they do then use their words, they have got a much stronger understanding and they've got a lot more vocabulary straight away, if
7: that makes sense. I guess it rubs off on their older siblings. Absolutely, yeah.
6: It's such a fun thing as a family when you can sort of say, oh, can you sign? Like your older siblings are signing to the younger ones and they're, Teaching each other and things, which is brilliant. It's, oh. a, it's so lovely for them to all be interacting.
7: It's wonderful, isn't it? What the little children can do—they're signing to you. So as long as mum and dad and that knows what they're what they're signing, then uh, it yeah. should work really, really well.
6: Exactly. We had the story of a little girl who was about twelve months, I think. So normally, when you're twelve months old, you'd say "mama," "dada," "car," maybe a few sort of odd words but she signed cat and then she signed wall and she signed park and then the mum was like oh where was there a cat on a wall in the park and it was last week they had seen a cat on the wall at the park and the baby had remembered that and wanted to tell mummy i remember that cat on the wall at the park and you just think wow how is that going on in your little head and you wouldn't have said any of that
7: it must give you such a great warming feeling that you're helping these children Absolutely,
6: yes. It's so uh, like, I, uh, it's, like I said, it's, I knew the value of doing it myself with my family, mm. and how much of a game changer it was.
7: So, where do you hold
6: your classes? At the moment, I'm holding them in Felbridge Village Hall on the Tuesday and Thursday morning. I'm hoping to sort of find some new venues as well um, in the new year, but
7: we shall see. And how long are the classes? About an hour, with oh. a little
6: bit of socialising either side, so the mums get a nice chat.
7: If somebody uh, wanted to bring their child along how do yeah. they get hold of you yeah so i've got a facebook page which is
6: sing and sign east squinstead uh, with an ampersand and then i've also got if you type in sing and sign near me um, and then type in east Grinstead, you'll find me
1: roxy cole talking there to samantha day if you're interested in the sing and sign classes visit facebook.com forward slash sing and sign roxy cole that's facebook.com sing and sign r-o-x-i-c-o-l-e or singandsign.co.uk and search for East Grinstead that's singandsign.co.uk and search for East Grinstead we'll post links on twitter at sundayreview107 and on facebook.com forward slash sundayreview107 on tuesday's Wellbeing weekly carrie overton spoke to local health coach ashley salter who runs regular walking and talking sessions
8: so a health coach is somebody who gets you through uh, physical and emotional mental health uh, difficulties that you might face. Um, and the, the, the real crux of it is going through the, the things that hold you back, right. the boundaries that you face, because most people know what it is to be healthy, what they need to do to lose some weight or feel better about themselves. But it's actually getting to the bottom of doing it. Right. And it's the doing That is a, a, it's a big thing.
9: So what sort of concerns or worries might somebody come
8: to you with? So typically I've seen a lot of people who uh, need help with weight management. Right. um, And that's, um, that's quite an interesting one. There's so many issues um, Mm. around that. Um, Digestion as well is uh, quite a big topic for a lot of people. Uh, A lot of people have symptoms and quite often they're related to stress. Right. And stress is another real big interest of mine. A lot of people come to me with overwhelm, uh, feeling stressed, feeling down, um, just just not very confident. Um, Those. Yeah. Pregnancy related things as well. I see.
9: Yeah. um, That's a real range of things. And, you know, am I right in thinking in in small doses, it's a very it's very normal to have stress. It's very um, it's an everyday occurrence. And actually, it keeps us safe to some degrees. And um, absolutely. But it's when it gets out of control so what sort of physical symptoms can stress and overwhelm have on your health
8: oh yeah you're absolutely right stress is essential really to to your everyday life but it is when it is unbalanced that it becomes a problem and physical symptoms could be heart palpitations the feelings of anxiety shortness Mm -hmm. of breath um digestive issues again uh, you know ibs is really really heavily linked to stress right um and 95% of all visits to the gp surgeries are stress related goodness me that's so that's really significant
9: so the impact of health just on or, or, of stress on the health of the nation
8: is is really significant it has a really really big impact yeah i'm i'm often asked by companies or businesses to go in and do um, lunch and learn sessions with their staff members on specifically on stress management, uh, management because it's such a big issue in workplaces, um, you know, among many other places, but mm. workplaces in particular for um, people being absent and mm. unhappy in their jobs. Uh, stress is a, a large part of that. So, what when you
9: go and give these talks, what sort, of, what would be like the number one strategy that you would share with people for stress management?
8: um it it's it varies Mm. um it can be so physical and and so emotional and mental health um linked as well that quite often i think the best thing you can do is slow down in a day slow down and breathe Mm. and there's a, a thing that i always recommend to clients is tummy breathing right can you explain what that is i can it's um essentially if you put one hand on your tummy and one on your chest you're doing it now. <laughs> yeah. The aim is to breathe into your tummy. Okay. So you're only wanting to move the hand on your tummy. And right. you breathe in for four counts and you breathe out for four counts. Right. And you do that for five minutes a day and your body will get used to it. It's, you're in your stress response. Your body is responding with a, a stress response when you're breathing shallowly into your chest. And you'll know that you're doing it because your shoulders go up. Gosh, that's interesting. I've no, I'm have i consciously pulling my shoulders
9: down now. But actually, I, that's that's a really good point. And I've um, heard that because I practice yoga. as I, I know you do as yes. well. And that sort of whole idea of breathing into your tummies, it really does change how you feel, doesn't it? From those it shallow does. chest breaths. So what brought you into the realm of health
8: coaching? So... I, I had my own health issues three mm. years ago. I got a, um, a digestive infection, mm. um, if you like. And that really threw me from a physical point of view and had knock-on effects uh, on an emotional level and a mental health level. Right. Um, and it was only through seeing a health coach myself right. and uh, subsequently a nutritional therapist that I felt better. And was able to start my road to recovery. And because of having that experience, I decided I wanted to do it myself. And so how did you set about changing? Because am I right in thinking you used to be a social worker? Yes.
9: So that's a big, big change. So how did you go about retraining?
8: Well, a big change in a lot of ways, but also very similar. It's all about behavioral change. And as a social worker, that's what I spent my time doing. Right. Um, And now, yeah, with the health, with health coaching, it is behavioral change, essentially. And so it was during lockdown that I did. I wanted to dip my toe in first with health coaching because it was a year's course. And I'm currently doing the nutritional therapy course, which is three years. Right. Um, But I loved health coaching so much that I just wanted to carry on and and delve further in. So I, I did my training for a year in 2020 and 2021. And I started my business in March 2021. Wow, that's fantastic. And so so you mentioned
9: things like IBS. So, well, would I be right in thinking that there are some things that
8: don't need medication, but it's about behavioural and lifestyle change? Uh, Absolutely, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, when I first initially went to uh, the GPs, and it's not knocking GPs or the NHS because we're lucky to have them, Um, it's just the shortness of time and uh, finances that they have, I think um, mm. hold them back a bit. but um I was diagnosed with IBS, and i I definitely do have it, but mm. there were other things to it right and I think uh, the 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 first kind of recommendation for me was antidepressants right. which would um, support IBS and I just think um, often if diet and lifestyle issues were addressed and known about and supported more within the nhs i think they would save themselves a lot of money and i think that people would be less dependent and less um needing of medication Mm -hmm. which i think is only a good thing
9: so when you're talking about um making changes do you mean um say food
8: allergies or intolerances or is it other other factors as well there are loads of factors to it, it is It is actually a case by case dependent, which right. is why health coaching is you can't I can't just put something on my Facebook page, you know, a, a generic um, kind of way of improving things right. because it is so dependent on the person, their background, the reasons for their IBS, the reasons for their their mental health or emotional um, difficulties that they face alone. Um, so, yeah, it is it is case by case. Gosh, that's absolutely fascinating. Ashley,
9: now I understand that you do a weekly wellbeing event. Can you tell us a bit about that?
8: Yes. Uh, So I wanted to make health coaching and general good health available for um, as many people as I could. So I started a walk and talk group, uh, which takes place every week, every Thursday at lunchtime, one o'clock at East Grinstead Meridian Hall. Uh, We meet just outside the play park and we walk for 30 to 40 minutes Mm -hmm. at a time. Um, And the emphasis is on being out in nature, having a a gentle paced walk. um, And it is welcome to everybody, um, old and young, children, buggies, friendly dogs. um, And we just have a a good time walking together and talking and uh, sharing life's ups and downs. Perfect.
9: So uh, do people need to get in touch with you in advance if they want to come along or can they literally
8: turn up at Meridian Hall on a Thursday? Yes, so they can turn up. There is a Facebook group that you can join, which gives updates because sometimes now that it's got uh, wetter and rainier, we sometimes have to cancel. And if that is the case, we tend to go and meet at Trinity Methodist Church um, in East Grinstead at the same time just for a cup of tea uh, so that we can still share that time together. Excellent. And what are the advantages for going outside? There's so many advantages. because It lifts the mood. It's it's lovely being in nature. It really calms the nervous system, takes you into a a rest and digest state and away from the stress and the cortisol and all those bad or unhelpful uh, chemicals in your system. And being with people as well. Social connection Mm. is so important. And Mm. I think that that's something that we struggled with through covid. Yeah. And that's, I started the group uh, this year, what was it, March? I think March uh, 2022. And it was as we were coming out mm. of COVID. And I think it was really important for people to get back out and mm. to start socialising and having that connection. I think I read somewhere that social connection is such a big part of health, like a significant mm. part of uh, good health.
9: Mm. And would you say that since um, lockdown in the sort of post-COVID era that we're in, have you noticed a change in well-being?
8: Um, Yes, I would say that there's a lot more anxiety. Mm -hmm. I think um, people are anxious about being close to other people. You know, I don't need to go through all the lists of things that um, cause people anxiety. But yes, I, I have definitely noticed a difference in how people behave and how people choose to do things and choose to interact with people. And it's become much more social media dependent, I think. And there's not a bad thing about social media in that, you know, it is helpful for connection, but it's, it's so good to be in person with people. Mm
9: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like you say, that physical contact, the energy you get from, being around other people and and i suppose for anybody who might be anxious about starting to go out again and and mix because of a fear of covid that idea of walking in the outside and the open air makes it that little bit more accessible to to everybody that's right Yeah. yeah yeah so just remind us again so if you're interested in
8: joining ashley's walk and talk where do people meet and how can they get in touch with you so they can get in touch on the facebook group it's called walk and talk Um, And it's got a little logo of three people walking along next to each other. Um, And yes, otherwise they can just come to East Grinstead. We meet at the top opposite the car parks by the children's play area. There's a bunch of benches and we meet there at one o'clock and go for a walk just before one. And we head off at about one, five past one for a, a gentle paced walk. Fantastic. And and what about if anybody was interested in finding out
9: more about what you do in terms of the health coaching and the nutritional um, coaching,
8: how would people find you or contact you for that? Uh, so, yep, yeah, the company's called Temple Health. And if you type in Temple Health in Google, uh, make sure you include East Grinstead. There is an American version of Temple Health, so that might come up first. But East Grinstead uh, Temple Health, you'll find me. I'm also on Facebook. Um And again, that's Temple Health, so just type that in um, and you will find me.
1: Ashley Salter in conversation with Carrie Overton. As a reminder, the Walk and Talk group meets every Thursday at 1pm at East Court near the Children's Play Area. And for more details on Temple Health, visit templehealth.co.uk. That's templehealth.co.uk. We'll post links and details on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. The Archway Theatre in Hawley celebrates its 70th birthday this year. On his mid-morning show this week, Paul Tolmey found out more from one of the co-directors, Robert Gregory.
10: Well, the Archway Theatre um, exists in the railway arches, the Victorian railway arches, next to the station in Hawley, Surrey. But funnily enough... It's known locally as Hawley's best kept secret and I I have to hold my hands up here and say that I worked in Hawley for six years before I properly discovered it Mm. and it's weird because there's notices, it's very very evident. Um, but some people will say, oh, I didn't realise we had that there. Mm. And then uh, having said that, there's a whole cadre of people across Hawley and the wider area who come regularly. We, we, so we, we've had people who have faithfully come for many, many years. One of the reasons that I'm here today is because we want to share our secret more widely, yes. if you like, to get, place, to get the place better known. So about 70 years ago, uh, two local theatre companies came together under one roof. And over the period that followed that, they made improvements to the theatre. uh, They eventually came together as one company, the Archway Theatre Company, uh, set up as a charity. um, And they've been producing plays now there, as I say, for for, for about 70 years. In its current form, our auditorium sits under one of the arches, and a load of building work went on in the mid to late 80s, which created that. Uh, There's about seven arches. So we have an auditorium with room for almost 100 people, uh, we have a um, rehearsal studios. We have a second performing area known as the studio where we tend to put um, smaller shows, sometimes less well-known shows, traveling bands, all sorts of events go on in there. We've also got um, a very comfortable bar which serves um, drinks at a very, very good price. So you can have a lovely evening out yeah. um, and not actually spend too much money on it. Um, we do about 10 productions of a year. Each of those productions runs for two weeks in, in the main house um, and we try to target these at all age groups covering a, a diverse range of subject matter. So we have comedy, we have drama, we have musical theatre. Um, allied to the musical theatre, we have a thriving adult singing group and also a youth, a youth theatre workshop. Yeah. Uh, we've got a young adults workshop. So all of these productions also involve people of all different age and and diversities. Um, Within the studio, we invite local directors and visiting companies to come as well. We can be found in The Drive, which is right next to Hawley Station. It's right next to the bus stop. And here's the good thing, and this is why we want to get out to East Grinstead and other wider areas. um, There's at least two trains an hour coming up from Gatwick and coming down from London. You only have to step off that to find our theatre less than a minute's walk away. Um, and we always finish before the last train home. So yeah. it, 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 it's an easy place to come to. There's actually some free car parking spaces um, after six o'clock outside the station that you can use. And there's other car parks in town not far away.
0: That's who we are. Now, let's talk about your, because you said you had 10 productions a, a year, which is incredible. You've got uh, the brilliant jeans in Worcester. Yeah,
10: coming up on the 6th of December and running for two weeks Um, are Jeeves and Worcester, who many of you may know as P.G. Woodhouse's Creations. This time they're going to be appearing in Perfect Nonsense. It's a play that's been adapted from P.G. Woodhouse's original 1938 novel, The Code of the Worcesters. Um, uh, 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 Hopefully a lot of people will remember the Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry TV series uh, back in the 90s. Um, um, I won't read this all out to you, but here's the thing: we're going to a country house weekend where things take a turn for the worst when Bertie Wooster is unwittingly called on to play matchmaker, reconciling the affections of his uh, host's drippy daughter Madeline Bassett with his newt-fancying acquaintance Gussie Fink-Nottle. Directed by Gary Andrews, who's a long-established director yes. at the Archway Theatre. Um, it's long been our tradition to run a pantomime in January, because what better time um, when you get to that post-New Year period where everybody yeah. sort of comes down January from the blues. wonderful holiday, the January blues. So um, on the 13th of January, running over three weekends up to the 28th of January, is our annual pantomime, which this year has been written by uh, two of our co-directors, uh, Lisa Ray and Joe Ord. Binderella. Um, now, this is a unique production targeted at children and adults, okay, so we've made sure so that everybody can enjoy it. Um, it's a new spin on Cinderella uh, set in a local refuse incineration centre. Um, it's the usual thing lots of jokes and catchy songs, loads of audience participation. It does get booked out quickly it's already it's already booking up Uh, www.archwaytheatre.com if you want to book tickets for that Uh, and the other thing i suppose i should say is uh, in in terms of how we operate we have these 10 productions a year in in, as each production ends um, another production that will have been uh, evolving in one of our rehearsal arches moves into the main theatre we've got a fantastic team of set constructors who have to turn around within three days putting the next production set on the stage so we can get the cast in to get through their dress rehearsals and onto the main performance, whilst in our other studios and rehearsal arches, the other productions are coming along too. So it's a bit of a production line.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing because it's there's so much going on. and. I I don't know if, I don't know if any of the listeners have been to the Arts rate but I highly recommend it. It's a beautiful little auditorium with about I think is it ninety five seats.
10: Yeah, it's around it's about ninety five, and it's yeah, nicely yeah.
0: raised as well, so you can see you can see right right the way along, wherever it is. you sit. It, it,
10: it is. A, a lot of people think it's amazing that we've managed to create a, a proper proscenium arch theatre with, you know, a traditional stage yeah. and almost 100 seats. Um, if, if, if anybody knows Hawley re- relatively well, the way that this uh, works is the, the road runs over the bridges, mm. uh, we have the auditorium within a theatre archway, and then we've built the stage as an extension on the back, which sits between Waitrose and the, uh, and, and, and the railway station. So uh, yeah, and,
0: then, and there's no disturbance from the railways either. Funny enough, you can
10: you, you can hear the odd rumble of a yeah. train depending on what production's going on. Yeah, but not really. No. It, it, it's quite amazing. One of the things that we have done in the aftermath of the COVID epidemic yeah. was to try to make the place as attractive as possible to people who might be nervous about yeah. uh, uh, about uh, well, you know, catching COVID and that sort of thing. And whilst that's less of a worry now that uh, people are vaccinated and and uh, the disease is very much endemic anyway, um, we've put in a, an air handling system within the main theatre, which is bringing fresh air into the auditorium and, and, and carrying out a, a, a full change of air. I think it's about six times an hour. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, it used to get quite warm in there during the summer, um, hence we had a load of fans. But, uh, but with our new air handling system, it also keeps it at quite a nice temperature too.
0: And as you alluded to, there's so much more going on than just the just the, just the theatre productions. You've got all the other groups going on as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think you the uh, is it the improv. Yeah, we have a yeah. really
10: thriving Im- improv group known locally as Dingbats, who nice. who regularly perform yeah. um, of, of, of an evening. We've got a singing group that's just come together. Um, we we've taken recently to having bands playing in our studio. Um, facility Mm. which has gone down very well good and and that also has a bar in it so it it, there's a very nice social area to hang out in between um bands and so on so yeah there is a lot going on so we're having an open day this um sunday uh where we're going to throw the doors of the theater open and welcome people in between 11 o'clock and three o'clock uh we're going to do tours of the theater and, and the whole complex of arches There's going to be script reading going on in some parts of the facility. The Dingbats Improv Group will be performing. Singing for the Soul, who Mm -hmm. are our singing group, will be performing. Uh, For people who are technically minded, we'll have tours of the sound and lighting set up and how that operates. Um, Our set constructors will be doing some building. Uh, I'll say a little bit about them. Uh, They're known colloquially as the Scenery Citizens which is a bit like of a play that. on words, like yeah. Um, the average age is 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 that generally attributed to retired people. I joined them last year when I turned sixty, so I'm just a mere youth. Um, but there's fifteen or sixteen of them who come together, um, and as I say, have to turn a set round within about three days. So they'll be demonstrating their craft. We've also got a, um, a whole. Uh, arch full of costumes and and our costumiers will be showing people round. on top of that in our bar there'll be refreshments and food and we'd we'd very much welcome people to come along come along to it if you're interested in using the facility as a customer and an audience member come along to it also if you think you'd like to get involved in local theatre and you know obviously we're looking for people who like to act people who might want to sing Um, but equally we're looking for people who don't just want to tread the boards. They might want to come along and run the bar, run the box office, show people to their seats. Um, There's so much going on there, and it's a lovely little community. Um, It's a bit of a family, the Archway, and uh, we'd like to open that up and invite more people into it. Um, we'll, we'll, We'll all be down there, so anybody who comes along, we'll make sure they're not alone. We'll say hello, take them round offer them something to eat and drink. Um, Yeah, please, anyone's welcome.
1: Robert Gregory talking there to Paul Tolmie. If you'd like to pop along to the open day, it's on today until 3pm at the Archway Theatre on the Drive in Hawley. For more details on the theatre and upcoming productions, visit archwaytheatre.com. That's archwaytheatre.com. We'll post all the details on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. And that's it for the latest edition. We've got all the information on the features you've heard today on Twitter at SundayReview107 or on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. I'll be back on air next Sunday morning from 10am on 107 Meridian FM or on meridianfm.com or you can download the latest podcast. Until then, take care and have a great week ahead.